0: Well, if you, were a, uh, if you were a prisoner of war during World War II, one of the most valuable things that you could manage to get your hands on was a secret makeshift radio. Right, soldiers would, would get together anything they could scrap together and make these makeshift radios. Uh, one soldier who did that was a man named R.G. Wells. He was a, a British... POW in a Japanese POW camp, and uh, he, he made uh, one of these secret radios to try to get news about what was going on outside in the war. And so he, he literally rigged together uh, tinfoil, string, tree bark, and flour, positioning it kind of just right until finally a voice came crackling through. It was the BBC, and they were broadcasting a, a radio show for an hour about a man in Kent growing beer hops in his garden. Now, the next morning, his commanding officer came to him and said, did you hear anything? And he said, yeah, I've got good news. And so he said, okay, what? And he said, well, actually, I don't have any news at all. And uh, his commanding officer said, what the, What the heck, for the uh, kid-friendly version this morning, does that mean? And he said, well, think about this. If the British are broadcasting for an hour a show about somebody in Kent growing hops in their garden, then they must still be alive. The Nazis haven't won. And so as far as I'm concerned, that was the best news I ever could have heard. Well, I wonder this morning... I wonder what the best news you've ever heard was. Maybe it came from a doctor, from a friend, from a school, from a bank. News that that changed your circumstances, maybe changed your life. Well, in the passage we just read, the gospel writer Luke is saying Christmas is the best news you'll ever hear. Jesus has just been born in verses one through seven and and by the time we get to verses 13 and 14, the the shepherds who are out and watching their flocks at night get for a moment, a glimpse into heaven after the birth of Jesus. And do you notice what's happening? It's a party. Heaven is throwing a neighbor's knocking on their ceiling to get you to turn it down. Party. Why? Because Christmas was the best news these angels had ever heard. And here's the implication Luke wants to make for us we should be partying too. We should be throwing a party today because Christmas has become the best news that we've ever heard. And in fact, if we're not, if Christmas isn't the best news that you've ever heard, then that's because you just don't get it yet. So let's look at three reasons in this passage, three reasons why Christmas is the best news you've ever heard. Because Christmas means God comes for the low, God's in the story, and it's all grace. So first, Christmas is the best news you'll ever hear because Christmas means that God has come for the low. Jesus has just been born. The fulfillment of of all of God's promises, of, of all of humanity's hope has finally arrived, and who gets to hear about it? Shepherds. Now, shepherds are some of the last people you would have expected to get breaking news of this sort. Uh, So in the social context of the day, shepherds were on the outside of the circles of power and privilege. They, They were the opposite of an influencer. In that day, shepherds would have likely owned a small little piece of land uh, that was probably not enough to provide for them and their family, so then they would also go and hire themselves out uh, to just people in the village. They they were peasants who spent all of their time outdoors around stinky sheep. And they were also on the outside of the religious context in that day, too, they were the outsiders. The the very nature of a shepherd's work made them ritually unclean, meaning they couldn't go into the temple, they couldn't worship God, they couldn't be a part of the people of God. They are are the inferior. They are the outsiders. They, they They are the bottom of the social pecking order. They are the lowly. And God says, you get the hot take. You get to hear first about the birth of my son Jesus. But this shouldn't come as a surprise, though, because all throughout the Bible, we see God passing over the proud and coming for the lowly, coming in in power and compassion for sinners and sufferers. Right in the Old Testament. God chooses people, Israel, not because they're big and, and powerful and, and attractive, but because they're the smallest, they're the weakest, they're the last people anybody would choose. God passes over the, the strong and the good-looking sons of Jesse, the obvious picks, and, and instead he chooses the runt David. God knows no other way than coming for the low. Which Luke couldn't be showing us more starkly here. Just before our passage in verse 1, Luke uh, drops two names that represent the highest you could have reached in the ancient world Caesar Augustus, ruler of Rome, ruler of the whole known world, and Quirinius, the governor of Judea. Do they get the news? Does God come to them? No, he finds some poor shepherds half asleep out in some field in the middle of nowhere. The good news that will cause great joy for all peoples comes to peasants, not to kings. Comes to the humblest, not to the highest. The the upside down mercy of God comes to the lowly and raises them higher than they ever could have imagined. Because who not only gets to hear this news first, but then is honored to go and be the messengers of this news? The shepherds. You see, if Christmas isn't the best news you've ever heard, it's because you're too high for it. You see, the assumption that I think a lot of us have is that when we become a Christian, we think, right, my my faith starts by becoming low, admitting my sin, admitting my need for Jesus, repenting and all that. That's the way in. But then we think, surely, though, surely I've got to arrive at some point where I move on from that, don't I? That the way that we grow as a Christian is actually by becoming stronger, becoming more self-reliant. Becoming becoming less needy of Jesus, repenting less, going back to the gospel less, to climbing the spiritual ladder, right? And why not? We, We climb it at work, why not climb it in our faith too? And so it's no wonder then that Christmas isn't the best news we've ever heard, that we're not partying this week and every week because we're too high for it. You know who Christmas was the best news ever to? People like St. Paul, who in the second to last letter he ever wrote called himself the chief of sinners. Now, that's not bad self-esteem. That's just a man who understood what the pastor Jack Miller would later say, that the way up is the way down. That the way we encounter Jesus Christ is not by spiritually taking the highest place, but the lowest place that the Christian life is actually the daily practice of getting lower and lower and lower, of choosing to focus more on my sin than the sin of somebody else, of repenting not less, but repenting more, repenting deeper, of recognizing not less of my need for Jesus and the gospel, but more of my need for the gospel, of realizing that we never rise higher than the feet of Jesus, that as the hymn writer John Newton put it, we grow tall by stooping. Because here's the thing, when we daily decide to stay low, we have now put ourselves in the optimum environment to experience a downpouring of the status-reversing grace of God who comes at Christmas to shepherds and lifts them higher than Caesar's. It's the best news ever. God's come for the low, and second, he's in the story. Uh, This is the beginning of Luke's gospel, but this isn't the beginning of his story. Luke's actually not starting a new story at all. He's just continuing an old one. In Genesis 3, mankind revolt against their creator. Evil enters our world, and against the backdrop of our rebellion, God makes a promise of unanticipated kindness. A descendant of Eve will redeem the world from the consequences of our sin will overthrow death and the devil, restoring our world to the the perfect peace, the perfect shalom, the flourishing that we've always wanted but never had. As the story of the Bible moves along, this hope gets connected to Abraham, who God promises through him will bless all the nations. And then from Abraham, it gets connected to King David who God promises a, a never-ending dynasty and a, an heir of his throne, who will rule and reign forever over this earth, finally bringing the peace, the shalom, the healing grace of God to all nations. And in verse 10, the angel comes to the shepherds and says, I bring you good news. This is going to cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born unto you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now, the angel gives Jesus three titles here that ignite what had become an extinguished hope. Savior, Messiah, Lord. Savior means deliverer. Messiah means promised one. And Lord means the one with ultimate authority, which in Luke's gospel refers to one person, God. The shepherds are announcing the best news you're ever going to hear. The fulfillment of all of God's promises, of, of all of humanity's hope, The promised one who will crush evil under his feet, who will reverse the worst that sin has ever done to our world and to you. And as verse 14 says, finally bring the peace, the shalom, the the healing grace, God's saving health on earth has finally come. And here's the plot twist. It's God. He's now written himself into the story. Uh, the author, Dorothy Sayers, uh, wrote uh, a whole bunch of detective novels in the, in, back in the 30s about a man named Lord Peter Whimsey. Uh, Whimsey was, uh, he was single, he was alone, uh, he, was, he was struggling, he was not doing the best in life. And about halfway through uh, her detective novels, this new character emerges named Harriet Vane. Uh, she's kind of a unique character. She's tall. She's uh, not that attractive. Uh, she's the first woman to ever go to Oxford, and she writes detective novels. And Harriet falls in love with Lord Peter Whimsey, marries him, and then they go on the rest of the, the series solving mysteries together. Uh, well, you know who else was tall, not particularly attractive? First woman to go to Oxford and writes detective novels, Dorothy Sayers. And a lot of people who study her work think that what happened was Dorothy Sayers fell in love with Lord Peter Wimsey's character, who was in pain, who was lonely, who was hurting, and so she wrote herself into the story to save him. Well, Luke 2 is telling us that at Christmas... God did the same thing. That God looked down at the world He had made and He saw us in all of our pain. He saw us in our sin, hurting ourselves and hurting others. He saw families broken by divorce, communities split by racism, lives lost to addiction, dignity marred by abuse, children trapped in bitterness. Marriages stuck in cycles. Spouses wearied by loneliness. He saw the ashamed, the wronged, and the down and out, and he loved us so much that at Christmas, he wrote himself into the story to marry and save us. And he wasn't just writing himself into the world's story. Now he was writing himself into your story too. The angels tell the shepherds, unto you, meaning for the benefit of you, a Savior is born. What was for all peoples in verse 10 is for each individual shepherd in verse 11. The good news that's, that's big enough to encompass an entire humanity, an entire world, is also personal enough to inhabit any individual one of us. Any one of us. The shepherds not only represent the lowly, but Luke is also representing, using them to represent here all of humanity, meaning anyone and everyone can now have God in their story. Christmas means that no one's story can be too average or unspectacular or messy, or hopeless, or scandalous enough that God isn't proud to take the lead role in. Do you see it? Christmas is the best news ever. Because it means God's come for the low. He's in the story. And most of all, it's all grace. In verses 13 and 14, the the shepherds get this glimpse into the, the celebration, the party happening in heaven over the birth of Jesus, and then they declare this iconic verse, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now, there's two ways that I think we commonly misunderstand this verse. First way, we sentimentalize it. We we follow Linus in Charlie Brown, who who quotes the old King James version of this verse uh, that says, On earth, peace, goodwill toward all men. In other words, we we universalize the verse and and then we we sentimentalize the verse. What's Christmas about? Goodwill toward everyone. Warm, fuzzy feelings in your belly tinsel and trees, jack frost nipping at your nose, eggnog and cookies, all of that. Let me ask you, does that seasonal sentimentality, that warm, fuzzy feeling in your belly, does that you get for a week or so, does that that utterly change you? See, here's the implication of verse 14. When by grace we experience the peace, the shalom that Jesus brings at Christmas in our lives. We are now to be peacemakers, shalom extenders in our own lives. Now, does a warm and fuzzy, sentimental Christmas really enliven you to become a shalom extender in your life in ways that are are costly and that are hard? Yet, if you left your job, if you left your neighborhood, if you left your school, people would say, I miss them. I maybe didn't believe everything that they said, but my quality of life has actually dropped because they left. I wish they were still here. No! No, by the end of the week, you've forgotten all about Christmas. You're too busy trying to figure out how you're going to make it through the last 10 miles on your new Peloton. But here's the other way that we misunderstand this verse. We don't sentimentalize it. We moralize it. We think, mm, yes. God's favor and peace rests on me because I earned it. Because this year I wasn't on God's naughty list, I was on his nice list. Does that bring you joy? Because here's the test to know if you really understood Christmas. It brings you joy. The angels in verse 10 say, This is good news that'll cause what? Great joy. Now, does a moralistic God's favor on me because I earned it Christmas? Does that, does that fill you with joy? Does that transform Christmas from a, from a fact of history we remember once a year into the music of our heart that makes us sing all year? Does that make you want to leave up the Christmas tree, even when it is so dry and so dead that the smallest spark will cause it and your entire house to go up in flames, all because that tree is a daily reminder to you of how much God unashamedly delights in you, in Jesus Christ? No! No, a moralistic Christmas turns you into the self-righteous Scrooge of Christmas, See, if Christmas isn't the best news you've ever heard, it's because you've sentimentalized it or you've moralized it when the reality is it's all grace. Here's what verse 14 says. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. That last phrase was a first century Jewish technical term to refer to those whom God has decided to pour out his love on. Now, don't hear that and think some stingy God-in-the-sky picking favorites. No, God's favor is his unbiased, unprovoked, unending compassion towards sinners and sufferers. And the gift of Christmas is that what, for many Christians, for many of us here in this room, still probably seems too hard to believe to be true, actually is that you can experience God's favor, His unwavering, nonstop desire for you today. Because everybody just intrinsically has it? Nope. Because you earned it? Not a chance. No, because God delights in Jesus Christ to give it to you. It's all grace. So how can you experience God's favor resting on you? Through experiencing the even greater grace that Christmas is pointing toward. In verse 12 the angels give the shepherds a sign to use to look for the baby Jesus. They tell them, you will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Fast forward to chapter 23, and the same words are now used to describe the crucified Jesus. He was wrapped in cloth and laid in a tomb. The crib of Jesus was a preview for the cross of Jesus. The birth of Jesus in humility was a preview for the death of Jesus in utter shame. His, his Christmas miracle was a preview of his Good Friday mercy. When, whereas at the birth of Jesus, Mary risked her life to deliver him, on the cross, Jesus gives up his life to deliver you. So that now, through faith in his gift, we can become alive to the favor of God Resting on us and finally have the Christmas peace we've always wanted, but never known. You get it now? Christmas is the best news you'll ever hear. Because it means Jesus has come for the low. He's in the story. And it's all grace. Grace. Let's pray. When he came, the angels sung Glory be to God on high. Lord, unloose my stammering tongue. Who should louder sing than I? Father, may that hymn be our prayer as your Christmas grace enlivens us to join heaven's party and celebrate the best news that we've ever heard. Amen.